come back together. I've invited David Collins up here to be a scale. So I just need you to balance that. Hold your hands and just tell, however you get that balance so that's evenly balanced. Okay. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Just stand there for like 30 minutes. <laughs> the ancient rabbis would tell a story and they would say the entire world is on a balancing scale and every choice you make may tip the balances. They said, would you be so thoughtful of your decisions? Would you be so intentional? Would you slow down so much that if you make that decision, the entire world will shift balance? That with just a little bit of weight, the whole thing would change. <laughs> you did great, everybody. David Collins. <laughs> Best $3.79 I've ever spent at Home Depot. <laughs> And the power of it is that our choices matter. And what happens when we slow down and we think and we're so reflective and we're so healed and we're so transformed and we're so mature that we think about our choices in different ways, that this choice could tip the balance of the entire world. I think we'd probably post differently on social media. I think we might have different conversations with our friends. I think in that person that we love the most, we may realize, I love this person the most, and did I just talk to them that way? Because every choice I make actually matters. And so if we're gonna talk about choices, we're gonna talk about some things. We're gonna talk about scales, which we already did, and then I'm gonna tell you a story about Susan, and then if I can talk to you about Susan, then we're gonna talk about the choice of narratives. And if we can talk about the choice of narratives, then we're gonna talk about bitter or better Betty bought some butter, but the bitter better, but the Betty bought some butter, but the butter Betty bought was bitter, so Betty bought some better butter, but the bitter butter made the bitter butter better. Exactly. Then if we can do that, thank you, thank you, thank you. I went to seminary. Yes. Yes. And if we can do that, then we'll talk about algorithms. Then we can talk about an algorithm. Then we can talk about is it hurtful or helpful. If we can do that, then the choice of clarity is everything for our lives. And if we can talk about that, then deconstructed peach cobbler, my friends. And if we can do a little bit of that, Scott's shaking his head yes, because he's from the South, my brother. <laughs> then we can talk about Jesus. Susan, our time is the wife of my mentor, and she passed away a few weeks ago after her seven-year battle with cancer. And this last Friday, her memorial was right here at Glendale Presbyterian Church across the street. We came in here um, for a reception, and 500 people showed up because she lived a good life. People showed up who were high school students who spent 20 years on her houseboats ministry where she spent her own money and her own time for 2,000 kids over that 20 years to be fed well and to be cared for so that they would have the best week of their life so that they would know that the God of the universe, that Jesus loves them. That people from she was three years old showed up to the memorial to tell stories that people later in her life told stories and they all had a common theme that even though she had cancer for seven years and she fought it, she was never a victim. 
She made a choice about her story, and she was never a victim, and she was never in denial. She accepted reality for what it was, and she made a choice to tell a different narrative in the world. And we all have that choice. We all have a choice about how we want to tell our story. We all have the opportunity to look back on our past and to reflect on it and to tell whatever version of it that we want. Tony Robbins, the inspirational motivational speaker, says it's never too late to have a happy childhood. It's your choice. At some point in your life, at some point in my therapy with internal family systems and whatever, all the other things that I did, I had to make a choice. I can blame my mother forever, but at the end of the day, I'm 38 years old now. And I'm not going to have other people take that power over me. I get to choose the narrative that I want in the world. What I love about our faith tradition, what I love about Jesus, what I love about the scriptures, is the scriptures are always encouraging us to choose our narrative. And I want to remind people always that the scriptures are not written from the perspective of the powerful or Americans or evangelicals. The scriptures are written perspective of the Jews. Jesus was Jewish. It's written from a perspective of people who were oppressed, of people who were in slavery, of people who lived under persecution. And their perspective is never one of victimhood. And they were real victims. Their perspective is one of hope. Their perspective is one of reality. Their perspective is one of fighting for justice. But it is not one of victimhood. They're choosing a different narrative, and there's a reason that those stories have lasted thousands upon thousands of years, because they work. And our narratives that we choose and how we choose to tell our story actually matters. Follow along with me in Exodus chapter 20. This is the Ten Commandments. And so God has just rescued the Israelites from slavery in Egypt for 400 years they had cried out to their God, and God hears their pleas, and this is the story of God showing up when we cannot show up for ourselves. There are stories in the scripture where God is asking you to find maturity, but this is a story where we need God to show up when we can't do it. And God shows up with all of the pyrotechnics, and God shows up with all of the good stuff, and he defeats Pharaoh and rescues the Israelites from bondage and from oppression. And this is not a history story about thousands of years ago. This is a universal story for humanity that says, you will be in this scenario at some point. You will have a Pharaoh in which you feel like you cannot defeat. You will have a system that feels too big for you to conquer. There will be a moment in your life in which you will cry out and plead to God because you have no other options. And it's a story that God shows up. And after God liberates you or frees you or saves you or rescues you, then God will ask you to grow up. You were given the gift of liberation. Now what will you do with your freedom? And the Ten Commandments are a story of, let me teach you how to be adults. Let me teach you, teach you a different narrative for your life. And the story goes like this. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Pause there for a moment. What God is saying is, this is your narrative and never forget it. 
What I am not saying is don't forget where you came from. Always remember where you came from. But now you have the opportunity to grow up. Now you have the opportunity to mature. Part of your narrative that you will choose will always be a narrative about me, the Lord your God. What will sustain you through the generations is that you never forget that reality. That I am the God who saved you out of slavery. This is not the story that you are the people who got yourself out of slavery. I am the God who showed up for you in the most difficult times. I am the God who rescued you from the pharaohs. I am the God who tipped the world on its head. I am the God who has been faithful from generation to generation to generation to generation. And that is not an easy button in there. Because every generation, just like each of your stories, has moments of difficulties when you have cried out and everything hasn't worked out perfectly. But it is still a story of God's faithfulness in the larger story of who God is and what God is doing in your life. And as I remind people, as I remind myself all the time, how do I know that that's true? Because you are here today. That is faithfulness. You have another opportunity to choose your narrative today. And you can choose a story. And this is what God will say to them. You can choose to continue to act like the slaves that you were in Egypt. But I'm going to teach you to live as free people. The other blessings that God promises Israelites is this. I am going to bless you. I want to bless you so that you bless all of the other nations in the world. The story is not just that I bring you into a promised land. The story is now that because you have a promised land, that you're experiencing goodness in your life, that with that goodness, with that beauty, with that blessing, whatever language you want to use, you will now live differently. How many of you know those people that they begged to be rescued from the thing. And then they finally got rescued from the thing. And then five years later, they were just the same. That's not an interesting story. The interesting story is, I will never become like my slave masters. I, when I have favor, when I have opportunity, when I have things going for me, I will not be like those who oppressed me. How many of us came from those families that said, I will never be like my mom and dad? But you've looked in the mirror a couple times, and the apple doesn't always fall far from the tree. Because it's hard to change patterns of what we were given. But the Bible is this incredible story of freedom of, but that doesn't have to be your story. You don't have to be that anymore. You get to be something else. You get to take whatever narrative you want. And one of the powerful stories of Exodus is that reality, that for the ancient world, they saw the world as this giant wheel. They saw that the world never changes and you never have new opportunity. And all of the emperors and all of the pharaohs and all of the Caesars love to perpetuate that story. I'm on top, you all serve me, and this is just how the gods ordained it. Isn't that wonderful? And the most oppressive Christians throughout history, that's what they told people as well. This is what God's plan is for your life. It's always convenient for powerful people to tell you that, whether those people are in your own family or in systems of power. But the scriptures provide you a new story. That is not the story for you. God breaks the wheel. God breaks those chains. And you now have the ability to live into a different story. And I think the question for us as we choose our own narrative is simply this. When you think about your narrative and when you live out your narrative in the world, is your story bitter or better? Simple as that. And I know other people can hear it in you. Did your story that you just told them about your life make them bitter or better? It's an easy litmus test. And it's not that there's not going to be seasons of your life where you sound bitter. 
Lots of people sound bitter. I get it. There's lots of reasons to be angry in the world. But that's not where you want to end. When I hear the story of Susan Artime's life and what she went through, what she represents for me is the best of faith. Many of us show up in this room and we've been hurt by the church and we've been hurt by systems of faith. We're not talking about that. Let that Pharaoh go. Let that Egypt go. We don't have to live there anymore. You can spend all of your life complaining and arguing and telling how bad this thing is over there. Let me know how that works out in your relationship. Let me know how that works out for your job. Let me know how that works out for the things that you want to create in the world. Because the litmus test for it, and it's the truth, and I'm happy to be challenged on this one, I have never seen people change the world because they stayed in the bitter. Eventually, you have to be transformed by it. Eventually, that's the greatest part of our story. It is the Jesus story. That even when the entire world betrays you, that we even when all of the systems and all of the individuals don't just metaphorically kill you, but they kill you, you have a moment in that opportunity. You have an opportunity in that moment. And what Jesus does is he transforms this pain and he doesn't transmit it. That's the story of resurrection. Jesus doesn't come out of the tomb and his scars are gone and Pontius Pilate is gone and Caesar is all of a sudden like, oh, I shouldn't have been a part of that oppressive systematic structure. No, those things are still going on. But Jesus transformed and resurrected is what changes the world. And the tough timing of that is we're not sitting here in a worship, uh, worship service for Caesar Augustus. We're sitting here in a worship service to Jesus Christ because those things work. When you choose to make the world better instead of bitter, it will transform things. But that is your choice, nobody else's. The power is in your hands. What a gift to be liberated. What a gift to be saved. What a gift to be rescued when we make the world better, not only for ourselves, but for those around us. If we can choose our own narratives, then I think you gotta choose your own algorithm. The question that I was maybe gonna start with today is when you open your social media, what are the first five reels? I didn't go with that one, but you can think about it there right now for yourself. I think it's probably already telling you the algorithm that you're living your life by. That it's telling you, you're already reinforcing your narrative. What an incredible opportunity that we have in 2023. We get to reinforce the narrative of our life. I just spent time in Wisconsin with some of my family and my brother-in-law, and he's a MAGA Trump vote and all the things, and him and I have conversations all the time. And I promise you this, that his algorithm is very different than mine. I promise you he's never seen a Biden campaign. I promise you he doesn't even know what Kamala Harris looks like. <laughs> Ryan, I hope you're listening. <laughs> because our algorithms are curating our lives. Our algorithms are reinforcing the narratives that we already have for ourselves. So I want you to ask yourself, the algorithm that you have, quite literally on your social media, and the algorithm that is your GPS, your map, that you are moving in the world with, how is it guiding you and leading you? Is your algorithm helping or is it hurting? When you go onto your social media every day, are you more angry when you wake up? Sorry, we've got some like wild feedback up here. They're gonna bring that bad boy down. Pause for that. That when you go onto your social media, what's your algorithm leading you? Do you wake up hopeful and excited because man, you're watching that cooking channel and you just have the opportunity now to be the best chef that you've ever been? Or do you wake up and the entire thing is burning down? You have a choice. 
It's not that that news is something that we should wash over, but the reality is what can I do with that news? The reality is how am I stepping into my life and how am I making choices to shape my narrative and how am I reinforcing those narratives with the actions that I have? And so what God does in the Exodus story is he reminds them of their narrative that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. And then God gives them some commandments. What God is doing is giving the early Israelites an algorithm. You have a lot of maps or GPSs or algorithms that you could choose. God is aware of that. And God says, but this is the one that I want you to follow. That sometimes in the world of deconstruction, what happens is we let all of these things go and it feels like a vast wilderness out there of what am I going to do now? What am I going to believe in? What am I going to hold on to? And God understands that you had a whole way of life living in Egypt, and now you have to learn what this life looks like. There's a reason that God keeps them in the wilderness for 40 years. It's a story about growing up. It's a story about maturity, that if you don't choose a narrative for yourself, I promise you somebody will choose one for you. And so God puts power in your hands to choose a different algorithm. And God says these things, you shall have no other gods before me. Why? Because there are other gods that you can choose from. You can choose any of the gods of your culture, just like we can. And those gods will shape and influence and lead to the way that you're going to live your life. Or you can follow this God, and we'll tell a story about liberation and transformation, about healing. What I love about Jesus in the Gospels is it says that everywhere that Jesus went, he told them about the good news and he healed people which is a better way, another way I like to say that is everywhere Jesus went, he left them better than when he found them. Are you doing that? When you leave a conversation, when you leave that workplace, when you leave that relationship, and just so you know, when you leave things, generally doesn't always mean it's working out. But this is where your maturity is tested. When you leave those things, when you transition, when you evolve, is it an opportunity where you left it better than when you found it? Because we don't always get the things that we want from everybody else in life. And we have an opportunity that we can take a higher ground, that we can live into a different narrative, that we can have a different algorithm that shapes us. You should not make for yourself any images from the, uh, from, of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow to worship them. God is saying, I've got a different way for you to live, that when you worship me, that when you follow me, that when you follow this algorithm, it's going to keep you aligned. It's going to keep you Focus, it's gonna give you opportunity. You should not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Don't worry, that doesn't mean saying, God damn it, for all of us that grew up Southern Baptist, you're gonna be okay. <laughs> what it's saying is don't, yeah, you laugh because it's real. And you were like, God, I'm not gonna make the rapture now. Um, and you're Southern when you do that. Um, it's more of a story of that you don't use God's name to put power over other people. And how many of us grew up in those churches? They use God's name to oppress you. When you're using God's name, are you making them better or are you making them bitter? When you use God's name, are you helping them or are you hurting them? And if you follow that account because you're still just a sucker for punishment, you don't have to follow Bethel anymore. Just delete it. Just let it go. I'll say names. I'm not scared. Like, just do your thing. Everyone looks at William. That's hilarious. I don't know why they do that. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. All things can be redeemed, my people. All, all things. He shakes his head. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor the foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made all the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Now you're like, man, that's so archaic. That is the most revolutionary piece of scripture that existed 3,000 years ago. The God of the universe says, remember, I am the Lord your God. I am the one that brought you out of slavery. Choose your narrative wisely. Choose the algorithm that's going to guide you. Because you're choosing me, this God, versus those other gods, you're now going to live in such a way that everyone in your land gets a day off. That's not capitalism, by the way. That's not socialism, by the way. That's not any other system, by the way. That's Jesus saying, I have a different kingdom for you, by the way. I have a different way for you to live, by the way, that when you have power, that when you have opportunity, you are going to use that power to make people better because you know what it's like to labor under the sun day after day after day and get no rest. And how dare you not give them an opportunity for that? Evolutionary and revolutionary 3,000 years ago. Be careful which algorithm you choose. Be careful how you want to follow it. And the Scriptures continue to go on. Honor your father and mother, which is a way of saying, right? Be careful that how you honor the legacy of what you're given. Don't murder. Pretty classic, pretty similar. You really shouldn't do that. Like, kind of, you got that. (laughs) Jesus will go further, though. When you start that little bit of gossip, when you start that little bit of hate, you're almost there. And we've all been there. Because the last stop when you start to other somebody is killing them. Over enough time, With enough opportunity, humanity has shown we are willing to kill people. Why? They're team blue, I'm team red. We've killed people for stupid reasons. Well, my political leader told me, oh, they were a different skin color than me. We were of a different religion. Jesus wants to constantly and quickly get to our hearts and say, yeah, don't murder, but check everything inside of you. This algorithm is going to go deep. This algorithm is going to cut through bone and marrow. This algorithm is going to reorient who you are, how you live, not just what you do, but who you're becoming. Pick all of the other algorithms, but let me know how it's working out for you. My favorite words of Jesus, come to me, all you who are weary and need rest. That's Jesus' algorithm. Life's a burden sometimes. Life's difficult sometimes. Come to me, and I'm going to be there for you. The words of Jesus over and over and over offer you a new opportunity for how to live, but we Choose that. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't lie about people. And the final one is don't covet, which is a way of saying check your heart in all things. That coveting is just something that we do as human beings. It's something where we have FOMO, where we look over, the grass is greener on the other side. What am I missing out on? By the way, I realized this summer that I am such a dad now that I have moved from FOMO to Joma, not this Joma. Any other dads in this room? I have the joy of missing out. I look on Instagram and a party happened. I'm like, praise God, I was not there. (laughs) I was in bed by 9 o'clock and I woke up at 6 a.m. with nine hours of sleep. I have the joy of missing out today. Thank you, God, for that opportunity. Because I am old and my kids are young and it's too much. What's the algorithm that you're choosing? Is it helping or is it hurting? If we can choose our own narratives and we can choose our algorithms, then we can choose clarity. I think clarity is everything. Clarity is when we've done the hard work. Clarity is when we've asked ourselves the most difficult question, what do I want? I think it's the hardest question that human beings ever ask themselves. Most of us are scared to ask the question of what do I want? Some of you are scared to ask the question of what do I want? 
Should I come out? Can I? That's what I want. But you weren't allowed to do that in that family. You weren't allowed to do that in that church. You weren't allowed to do that because of that God. Some of you have been in a toxic work environment. What do I want? Well, I can't do that thing because what will that mean? Some of you want to leave whatever the thing may be. Maybe it's a faith. Maybe you want to ask different questions, but you're scared to ask what you want. What will they think about me? Will I lose all of my friends? But start asking that question for yourself. What do I want? Because I am the Lord God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt, which is another way of saying, I've brought you into freedom. And you now have the freedom to ask yourself, what do I want? And as you ask yourself that question, that doesn't mean a free-for-all. Sometimes that's how people think about that. I can do whatever I want, and now it's just all about me, and I'm going to be so good at loving myself, screw everybody else. Let me know how that works out for you. When you ask what you want, you still got to grow up in, did I make people better or better? When I ask myself what I want, I got to ask myself, am I helping or am I hurting? That's real maturity. That's real work. I love Jesus when Jesus says, come and follow me. That's how Jesus provides clarity. Jesus says, you're not going to get clarity in just a moment. I know we all want an epiphany. We all want to go to the ashram. We all want to eat, pray, love, because come on, Italy, we all want to get a little bit fatter. That's fine. But that's not clarity. Clarity is the long road. I love the scriptures. Clarity is 40 years in the wilderness. Clarity is the work of the community. Clarity is reorienting your narrative. Clarity is going to that therapist again and again and again until when you find yourself at that party and you're in that moment, you don't have to comment on that family of origin anymore because you're free and this is your story now. Clarity is that algorithm that your life is so reoriented that it's so moving in another direction. You're like, I don't even look at the comment section anymore. I just stay away from it because I'm a grown-up. And people are wild out there and half of them are Russian trolls anyways. We don't even know if they're real. <laughs> Why would I do that to myself? Clarity is... I know who I am. Clarity is that I have summed it down to Jesus. Jesus, what is the greatest law? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've learned to love yourself. You've learned freedom. You've learned to be better and helpful. And so your capacity and ability to love neighbor is huge. You know what's orienting your narrative and your algorithm. And so, of course, you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. It's not loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength like you grew up with, where there was a weird God out there that if you didn't do that was going to send you to hell. There was a weird God out there who wanted to punish you because you're not two hands, one hand, hands out, what do I do? No. This is a God who actually doesn't even need your worship, but you want to because you freed me and you liberated me and you saved me and you showed me a different way to be human. And so, of course, this is how I want to live now. And, of course, there's imperfection in that. Of course, there's process in that. Of course, there's progress in that. But that's the story. I love deconstructed food. I think it's fascinating. And here's why I love deconstructed food. Because deconstructed food is a chef who knows their craft so well that they're able to do it. Sometimes in the world of deconstruction, we want to let everything go, and we're just putting everything together. Imagine you're a musician, and you're just deconstructing. You're just like, it sounds horrible. You don't know the rules. You're able to deconstruct it because you were constructed with something first. They oriented you in something. This is how you cook. 
If you put turmeric instead of cinnamon, it's going to taste different in the dish because you know that, because you were constructed in that. And after you've made enough peach cobblers, then you can deconstruct it. Now, if ahead of time you want to ask some questions about the peach cobbler and say that peach cobbler doesn't taste what I want to taste like, that's great. But for all the people out there who are critiquing the peach cobbler, you better be creating your own one. Don't go out there critiquing the thing if you're not building the better world yourself. That's easy to do, and that is not what we will do at New Abbey. I made a couple of Bethel jokes, so I apologize. <laughs> Sometimes you got to repent. But that's not who we want to be here. There's all kinds of things that need to be fixed. We can make the peach cobbler test better. I think you're handling the analogy just fine. And we can deconstruct it. But when you create a perfectly deconstructed dish, it's because you understood the thing. You understood what you could let go. But man, you need ice cream a la mode with it. You know what you can't get rid of? A peach and a peach cobbler? Peaches. It's very tough to do. <laughs> tough. And we're a Jesus community. And we'll never let go of Jesus. Because I know what's orienting our narrative. I know the algorithm that we're going to follow, and I have clarity for what this community will be. And if that's where you're at in your life, then I would say start making action steps to, to the clarity that you want in your own life. Come into this community because you need to be angry at some things and bitter about some things and frustrated about things, and we're going to help you heal from those things. But man, that's never where you're going to stay. Because we're going to walk over here, and we're going to talk about being better, and we're going to be helpful, and we're going to be clear on who Jesus is and what we want from Jesus and what we want for our lives. And that's going to permeate out into everything else. That's going to give us clarity on the other choices that I need to make in life. Man, now I know how to handle that relationship. Now I know how to handle that toxicity. I'm going to do it in a different way. Now I know how to be a part politically in a world where I want to see change because not everything's working for me. Now I know how to talk about racial reconciliation because this is still a real thing. What's the narratives that we're choosing? Are we making them better? Or are we making them better? What's the algorithm that's guiding your life? If you don't choose that algorithm for yourself, I promise you someone will choose an algorithm for you. Is it helping you or is it hurting you? Are you choosing clarity and are you taking steps to move towards the clarity that you want for your life? Because it's yours and nobody else's. Would you find those same three or four people and get into this conversation with one another? What choice are you ready to make?